I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with part four of our celebration of the La Cienega Design Quarter with a look back at Legends 2019. For over 50 years, the La Cienega Design Quarter has been a design destination serving LA's vibrant and extremely talented design community. This design district is special, and it has seen Los Angeles transition from trendy studio town to a global creative powerhouse. And for the past 11 years, Legends of La Cienega has been a celebration of design, showcase for amazing design talent, and social gathering for anyone who loves design. In 2019, Convo by Design was an official media sponsor of Legends, and I cannot tell you how amazing that was for me and how saddened I was to learn that uh, Legends, because of the coronavirus pandemic, would not be happening this year. So I, I think what saddens me most is that I will personally miss seeing my friends on the boulevard on uh, La Cienega and Melrose and Melrose Place. I will miss doing the interviews in the showrooms. And so I wanted to think about how I could uh, possibly bring a little bit of joy back to those designers, uh, design enthusiasts, and you. How can we bring a little bit of joy back to, uh, back to you during these odd and very strange times? I wanted to look back and share the interviews from last year. And if you also hop over to the Convo by Design YouTube channel, you can see many of the videos from those very interviews. I would also like to again remind you how special the La Cienega Design Quarter is and suggest that when this is all over, please go visit the LCDQ showrooms again. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zanger, a fantastic company and an equally fantastic design partner. While the Walker Zanger brand was built on the promise to inspire designers and architects to do their best work, there's far more to it than that. Yes, that promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But at the heart is a family-owned and operated business that provides stunning surfaces for a well-designed home and does it to make designers and architects do their best work for their clients. Walker Zanger started in 1952, and they are absolutely one of the best trade partners a designer can have. Check out their newest collaborative line with designer Pieta Donovan, a collection of cement and ceramic tiles inspired by the patterns and colorways of the 1970s and created with a comfortable modernity. Walker Zanger is on the cutting edge of design, featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. And they provide homeowners with the materials that dream kitchens and baths are made of. Check out any of their 14 showrooms across the country or shop online, walkerzanger.com. First up, is Tom Stringer. I'm Tom Stringer, and our firm is Tom Stringer Design Partners. And where are we today? What's the showroom? We're at the Harbinger showroom. Harbinger and Harbinger by hand. What does LCDQ uh, Legends mean to you and to the design community? So Legends is a great um, get-together uh, for the design community. It's all about sharing ideas and, um, and ultimately uh, celebrating, celebrating our industry but um, I think it's a really important opportunity for us to share ideas. Tell me about the icon you selected. So I'm, I am channeling Billy Baldwin. He is, um, he's a favorite from my childhood, frankly. Uh, I think the first design book I ever received as a gift was a, a book on Billy Baldwin. And um, I really chose him because he, he represents kind of the values that I put forward uh, into my work. 
Um, I think his work is simple, it's restrained, it's iconic, and he certainly had um, a legendary career. Why do you think his work is so special? What makes it iconic? Well, um, one, he had iconic clients. I mean, you, you know, you can't get more iconic than, than Jacqueline Onassis um, and Pauline de Rothschild. So, um, but his work, I think, was really iconic in that he, um, he was a master editor. Um, I think, uh, you know, that, that half of design is, is editing and restraint. Um, but I, I, I also value him and think he was iconic because of the way that he, um, he developed interiors that really reflected the life of his clients. And he was fearless about incorporating pieces of their life into it. And that, to me, is the thing that, that makes interiors real. It makes a house a home. And um, it, to me, that makes him immensely important. So that being said, how did you channel him into your window? Well, I think that for me, the important thing was to channel him, not like replicate him. So we didn't really use any of the directly iconic Billy Baldwin pieces, some of which are still in production. Um, not that they're not valid, but that I wanted to, to work like him, not as him. And so we used um, a variety of things, some precious, some imprecious, actually borrowed some materials from other contemporaries like Billy Haynes in the work because, well, Billy Haynes's, and Billy Haynes's work is actually more, more prevalent in Los Angeles than Billy Baldwin's old pieces might be. But it, it really was about using saturated color and a combination of materials that are um, masculine, contrasting masculine and feminine, and then contrasting um, precious and, and, and imprecious. We filled the ceiling of the room with about 110 um, $3 Chinese lanterns. That to me seems like, seems like a trick that Billy would be okay with. So that being said, what products did you spec for the window? So we borrowed heavily from the local LCDQ resources. Um, Dragonette had a good cachet of, um, of furnishings that I covet anyways, and I'm glad to kind of like temporarily own vicariously. So um, the background of the room is by Robert Crowder. It's a digitally printed wallpaper that I had them adapt from its original colorway into this kind of saturated kind of tortoisey brown that felt authentically Billy Baldwin to me. Um, and then we had great LCDQ vendors that helped us out, letting us beg, borrow, and steal. Um, so Dragonette was fantastic. They pro provided maybe half of the furniture in the room. Um, and uh, Merida was great in producing one of their new sisal rugs for us that felt to me like the kind of neutral background that Billy would appreciate. Um, and Lee Stanton, it was a great resource for a lot of the accessories. Um, and a few other pieces came from Cachet. Uh, some of the mid-century, the, the lamp in the room, and a few of the other um, kind of iconic accessories. So it was re actually really easy and quick to put together because everyone was so willing to participate. Thank you, Tom. This is Dan Mazzarini. Hi, I'm Dan Mazzarini with BHTM Design. So where are, where are we today? We are coming to you today from the Arteria showroom in uh, sunny California. So now this is your first... Uh, Legends event. What does LCDQ Legends mean to you and to the design community as a whole? Sure. I think Legends is a great opportunity for the design community to come together and really 
celebrate each other. Um, it's, it's an awesome place where you're getting designers not just from LA, but all over the country and world really to participate in this. And this year is fun because it's a celebration of designers by designers. So a really special tribute to the people who have paved the way for us and um, for us to sort of uh, honor them in a, in a really kind of awesome way. And along those lines, who's the icon you selected? Our icon for our window is Cedric Gibbons, and he is a, um, what we hope will be even better known set designer from the heyday of Hollywood. So since our offices are in both New York and California, we really wanted to spread the message that um, we, love, we love California and we love Hollywood and sort of the glamour that is um, all of movie making. And so for us, it's been a really fun tribute to learn about his set design. And he won 11 Academy Awards, um, nominated for 39, hashtag same, uh, but it's been a really fun exercise to look at his influence specifically on deco uh, style and arteriors whose window we're designing has been a great partner um, and reflection of his design so what is it what do you think it is specifically that that made the work so special that make that made it so iconic I think Gibbon's work really hearkened to uh, attention to detail. It was certainly geometric. It was high contrast and very graphic and bold, and really walked the line between masculine and feminine. Um, all of that, I think, as it relates to Hollywood glamour, it was it was glitzy, but it was also aspirational. Um, and so for us, and using Arteria's beautiful product, we are hoping to capture even just a percentage of that to really honor um, what became uh, really iconic, not just in movies, but in architecture around the world through sort of his deco influences. Side note, wasn't it interesting too, his, his approach to design, how it was very much like he would take a residential project and, and make it like it was a set for a show. He would, he would, he would design it as if it was for a screen. Yeah, I, I think Gibbon's approach to sort of using residential influences for stage props, um, was also sort of reversed, right? His own home was very theatrical in a way. And so it, it's an interesting pairing when you're doing a, a window for legends. Um, you want to pick somebody, in, in this case, that sort of represents things that we as designers are interested in and something that will represent the product of the, the showroom that we're designing. So Gibbons for us is theatrical, it's bold, it's graphic and it's high contrast. That's so much of what we like to um, display in our work, no matter the kind of project. So this is a great pairing for us um, and Artier's product is also a great product to represent sort of the idealized version of some of Gibbon's uh, I would say influences as well. Just curious because I think it's so special one of the things that I consider myself really fortunate insofar as the last six years I've had the opportunity to talk to so many set decorators and so many set designers and decorators have been on the show I I'm I'm, I'm, I have so much admiration for what they do, and I think it's really interesting that you selected a, a set decorator who's also a designer because your window, I mean, if you look at this, this is a narrow space. What is this, about four feet? Yeah, four and a half. By how long? By, it's about 26 feet long. Okay. So, yeah, it's significant. It's yeah. a set. Yeah, it's it is. A, it's a set. It's a vignette, it, but it's also a set. And yeah. for us, like... I come from a branding and retail background, and it's taken us to all kinds of different design, but the common thread is we like to be storytellers. And set design and window design and interior design, I think at its core, the very best of that tells a story through the spaces we create. So whether it's a window or a pop-up or a hotel or a restaurant, you know, we want somebody to, at a glance, 
get the message and then when their foot's in the door sort of be immersed in whatever the experience is. So I'm not shocked, like it makes perfect sense to me that we would choose a set designer to try to honor um, because we love the process and we love the storytelling and so it's fun to sort of honor that back and tell the story, almost tell the story of the story that they wanted to tell. And um, what products did you spec? Sure, so Artiers has so many beautiful things, especially when it comes to sort of light contemporary takes on deco inspiration. So we're using uh, a beautiful desk called the Job Desk. Uh, we're using a bar cabinet that's a McMahon cabinet. Uh, we've got a bunch of sort of deco inspired lights and lamps and pieces that we're using. Um, so that, it's almost entirely Arteriors and we're so lucky that their product range is diverse. It's all beautiful. It's this very black and white and gold palette that we're working with. So um, we're really excited to pull it together. This is Adel and Chris from Legaspi Courts. Uh, where where are we now? What showroom? Um, we're at the Waterworks showroom on Melrose Place. What does uh, what does LCDQ and Legends mean to you, and what does it mean to the design community? Um, I think you know, Legends for the design community is a very important um, part of being in this industry. Um, you know, I think it represents community, really, to be part of an esteemed group of people that are really passionate about design and um, supporting each other in all our work. Well, and just to add to that, I mean, it's, it's also just about a, a celebration of community, too, past and current, because this, especially with this year's themes being based off of design icons it's it's nice to not only celebrate you know everybody that's currently in our industry that we're all working together in but also celebrating the past as well too and speaking of which who is the icon you selected we selected uh, Michael Taylor um, so we chose him because he's um, known for the California look um, you know very uh, his designs are very based on organic materials, um, simplicity, but really celebrating um, natural materials, but in a re refined, relaxed way. So we chose him. What is, it, what is it about his work that was so special? What, what about the work made it iconic? Well, I think, you know, at that time, if we're talking about the time that he developed that, it was, you know, I believe it was like, late 60s, 70s, and at the time, no one was really, you know, utilizing um, raw raw material, like raw edge wood, you know, wicker, um, you know, uh, natural, natural, like, stones, natural rocks, stones, you know, and I feel like that was so revolutionary. I mean, right now, when we talk about that, it's so inherent in how we design in Southern California, because that's part of our DNA. So I think that, you know, as you know, young designers, we forget that that look was established way before us, and we just, you know, didn't realize how uh, how revolutionary that was at that time. So, all that being said, how did you channel him into your window? Well, you know. Of course, doing these windows, it's it's one thing to pay homage to, you know, the icon, but then it's also another to uh, put a spin on it and make it represent who we are as designers. And so 
you know, again, as Adel was mentioning, we wanted to take a spin off of and pay the homage to the natural materials, the the rattan, the wicker, the the woods, the you know the the lush landscape. But then, in our spin on it, in the Legaspi Gort spin, we wanted to you know create a bathroom out of it. So, because when you look at a lot of Michael Taylor's works, you don't typically see a bathroom. And since we're in the waterworks showroom, why not? You know. Why not combine the two and meld them together and create this little, you know, perfect little enclave? Mm-hmm. So, who did you specify? Well, so we're at Waterworks. So, you know, really also in tying to Michael Taylor's look, we were really inspired by this tub, you know, that we're kind of sitting on. Um, it's a, you know, it's really an iconic, like, uh, take on his. Um, and his idea of using sculptural forms. So this tub, you know, so coincidentally is super sculptural and overscaled. And that's also what he's known for, you know, using overscaled sculptural uh, shapes and furniture. So we wanted to uh, utilize uh, that take by using the waterworks tub. This is Pate Lau. Hi, my name is Pate Lau and my firm is Pate Lau Inc. And where are we today? What showroom? Today we are here at Harbinger. It's one of my favorite showrooms here at the uh, La Cienega Design Quarter. And I shop here a lot, and it's been a fabulous experience. What what does LCDQ and Legends mean to you and to the design community in general? LCDQ has been such an important design week in LA and it was one of the times I think a couple years ago I had came I had come here to LA before I actually started working in Los Angeles because I live in I was living in New York I recently moved to LA and um, it was just an opportunity where you had to meet so many amazing West Coast designers and editors from New York it's basically like spring break for designers Everyone comes here. It's such a fun festivity. Everyone gets a chance to mingle and connect and just really build build this amazing community that we have. I love that. It's like spring break for designers. Totally. It's totally spring break for designers. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to use that. Um so tell me about the the icon that you selected. Who did you select? So my icon is David Hicks and he was the first person that I had picked out of the legendary. He is a huge influence in a lot of my work. I think, and I truly believe, um, I have a style called Aristo Freak and he really is an Aristo Freak. And Aristo Freak to me is someone that has the ability to really, you know, have traditions, but really think outside of the box of the tradition, really break the molds. I think a lot of every good designer will always have um, rooted history in their traditions and patterns. and I think David Hicks had this incredible mix of just panache. You know, he really designed with, um, you know, just such bold patterns and colors. And even today, when you're looking at his work, I think a lot of influences are still being inspired today. He was the king of pattern mixing. And I definitely feel like I use a lot of patterns and colors to tell my story when I design. What do you think it is? Hold for a second. Mm-hmm. Am I moving? Yeah, a little bit. Sorry. Can we back up a little bit? Mm-hmm. Perfect. What do you, what do you think it, it is about the work? What made the work so special, so iconic? My work? His work. Oh. What makes David Hicks' work so iconic is that he, I think, as I got to discover a little bit more about him, just beside his actual designs, 
I learned that he was a, he was already mixing like high and low at the time. He was kind of a scrapper. You know, he grew up, his, his story is so interesting because he kind of grew up as a common person and um, was, had a very, you know, was very charming, had a lot of taste, was very intelligent. And then, of course, he fell in love with uh, Lady Mountbatten, which is Dickie Mountbatten, uh, Prince Charles's godfather, I believe, um, was, you know, was a royalty and basically married into that family. And obviously he was already quite an influential designer at the time that they had married. And, but he had the ability and access to have some of the most incredible properties. He was, you know, on a plane with the Sheikh and designing all these incredible spaces, but he was always quite scrappy and doing designs with, you know, he would figure out something and, and just kind of figure like, you know, do a, a, a detail of like a, a trim and, you know, like that could be $5 or five pounds or whatever it was. And then he would apply it, but it was, it was his aesthetic and how he looked at design, which was really important. And I think design is very much about a style, you know, everyone has a very particular taste or techniques, but I think he just had this like panache of just understanding and he was bold and he was, you know, he had a very interesting point of view. Um, and I think that many people still really look up to him as a legendary designer. So how did, knowing that that's how he worked and knowing that he was the icon you selected to, to make this window special and unique, how did you channel him in your, in your work? That's a really great question because when I was asked to do Legends, I was so thrilled because, you know, it's been such an influential uh, part of my design, um, you know, a community being, you know, especially since I just moved to LA and I was like, this is my LA debut. And um, so I was really honored to be a part of it. And secondly, I was really nervous because everyone is judging you, obviously. And I was like, what do I do? And, you know, I didn't want to necessarily like design a space that looked or was like mimicking him. So I had to really think about what I was doing. How do I interpret David Hicks into the work that I do? But that still very much has my aesthetic that still has very much his traditions and his ideas. So I really played on with the pattern mix. The wallpaper is actually my own Aristofreak wallpaper that I created, which is a African mud cloth inspired fabric that I had found. And then I channeled it with different colors. I've done a different colorways and I scaled it to make it the right size and I printed on paper weave. So I really wanted to start with the wallpaper. And then of course I use Murph Studios to do the caning on the floor with a lot of pattern. And sometimes it was kind of challenging because I was nervous that maybe, you know, the pattern mixing was the scale, you know, scale is so important. And I thought maybe it wasn't enough, but so far everything is turning out really well. And it looks amazing. It looks so cool. Thank you. Um, it's funny too, because on the quarter I've been running around, you've been running around. I just saw you over at Dragonette, yeah. which is really fun. So talk to me about the products you spec'd and, and where you got, where you, where you pulled all this together from. So I had my wallpaper, obviously, which is what I started with. And then Murph Studios is a company that I've been wanting to work with for a while. They do amazing digitally printed um, wood tiles and they can be any kind of crazy fun pattern. And I found this awesome black caning, black and white caning flat pattern, which I thought it's kind of very like David Hicksy's kind of like vintagey. And it also had this like LA vibe. So I love the kind of natural, the caning and I feel, and I'm kind of an obsessed with cane at the moment. Um, so I implemented that. I also love to shop a lot of antiques. So I really mixed a lot of like 18th century antiques and, um, mid, mid century pieces as well. So that kind of modern and, um, 
aristocratic, you know, 18th century and like 70s pop that kind of like mix. And that's very much my style. And of course, using antique rugs from Mark Phillips. Um, John D. Nelson is one of the amazing paintings and the rams that I used. Uh, Paul Ferrante is another company that I love and they have such beautiful stuff. Every time I go there, I'm always swooning. Um, of course, a lot of Harbinger items, uh, the mirror or some vintage pieces and the, and the, uh, and the commode. Um, and my art, I actually was at the fair in, L- in New York and I bought this amazing Peter Blake art called Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll. And Peter Blake is an iconic English pop artist that was really famous and did, um, what is his name? He did uh, the Beatles cover and that's how he became super famous in like the 60s, I believe. And it was just this awesome woman who was this oh, naked in her tattoo and it's called Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. And I juxtapositioned it with this like beautiful 1930s like aristocratic woman that's just fabulous and bohemian and you can't, you know, I just love her. Of course, I used a lot of beautiful stuff from Martin Lawrence Ballard, who I also love. And it was this perfect kind of like mid-century pieces that were really that pop. Um, the black and white benches was his. Um, the Corbett light that I used, which is actually called Correas. And Correas is a place that I love in Mexico and I go there all the time and it's a very kind of this elitist but amazing like little like oasis of um, in Mexico. Um, so what, a lot of my influence of what I design is also based on worldly, it's very romantic, it's eclectic and so it's tying all of those different things to tell a story. So I feel like my space is pretty Aristo Freak and it's very me. <laughs> It's got a mix of everything. There's like ecot patterns and bouquet sheeps and stuff from England and stuff from um, all over in Marrakesh. And so it's just this worldly eclectic mix. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Petit. This is Alex Papacristidis. Uh, Alex Papacristidis, AP Interiors, uh, La Cienega in Los Angeles. And what showroom are we in front of? We're in front of Jonas Upholstery. So you're here for LCDQ and Legends. What, I, I love asking you this question because you, you're based in New York. What, is, what does LCDQ mean to you as an individual, as a designer, for someone inside the business? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to the community? How do you use it? Well, you know, I adore LA and, 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 and I think LCDQ is such a wonderful event and it brings designers from all over the country to Los Angeles and it's a wonderful opportunity to come and see and shop LA. There's so many wonderful stores, so many great vendors and I think it's just a wonderful excuse to be here. And you know, when you're a decorator and you're busy, it's hard to find the time to go on vacation and do things. So when you have a project or you have a discipline and you need to go and do a window in Los Angeles, you come here and you do it and you get to spend time in Los Angeles. So it's a win-win for me. Is this also a vacation? You know, look, I'm very privileged. Everything, my work is my pleasure. So it's always a bit of vacation for me and I go to amazing places and I work with wonderful people. So I'm lucky to love what I do, and I always have a good time wherever I am. And I make it fun for myself, for my clients, for the vendors. Life is short, and we should be happy and have fun doing everything we do. Holding for truck. So the theme this year for LCDQ was legends. Who's the legend you selected? Jeffrey Benison. And he has always been 
sort of a wonderful decorator to me because first of all, I've always loved his fabrics and my first apartment, I used his fabrics all over my living room. Actually, not my first apartment, but my, my second apartment. It was, my first apartment was out of college. My second apartment was, was all in Benison Fabrics, my living room. And I've always loved his work, and he and I have, I think there's a lot of overlap. We love sort of lush interiors that are very rich and opulent, and he also has the same love for animals that I have. In his interiors, he puts sort of, you know, there's always a camel or a monkey or something wonderful, and I love animals, and I love bringing nature in from the outside, sort of organic elements that are decorative, and I've always loved what he does. So when I was given the opportunity to choose, I chose Jeffrey Benison because I feel a great sort of... Let's start with, um, I've always felt. I've always felt. I've always felt that Jeffrey Benison and I have a wonderful, you know, I, I love his sensibility and his style and we have a great rapport. And so he felt appropriate for me. So knowing that, and it seems so personal for you. So how did you channel him and his work into a window? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I love the history of decorating and I've always sort of looked to the great decorators for inspiration. And I'm quite familiar with his style and his interiors through a multitude of books, through history, and I started obviously with using Benison fabric because I thought that was the perfect way to bring me into the right direction. Was it a challenge for you considering it's such a small place and, and you know, as skilled as you are, it's part of what you do. You have to work with the spaces that you're given. Was it a challenge? And how did, knowing that the answer is probably, well, of course, everything's a challenge, but how did you address it? Well, it's always a challenge, of course, you know. And, you know, having a client, not having a client, sometimes it's a bigger challenge to actually not have a client because it's all about yourself. And then sometimes it works out beautifully. But I think I, 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 I wanted to make it my own because I used a Benison fabric, but I cut it up. So the fabric behind us has a stripe on it that I removed. And it's, it's something that I've always done, and I learned that sort of through the history of decorating and the great European decorators have always cut borders and pasted fabrics together and reseamed them and made them their own. So I started with that. And then, you know, I loved the idea of the blue and the black and the gold, and I found the chinoiserie desk. And, you know, I wanted the, the, the oriental carpet and the gilded chair. And then the lamp is Christopher Spitzmiller, which I make. It's the Alex lamp for Christopher. He makes for me. It's the Christopher Spitzmiller lamp for Alex. And it's my shape. So, again, it, it brings in something of me. And, you know, it's, it's all the kind of whimsy and the things that I love brought together. I love French furniture. I love chinoiserie. I love gilding. I love prints. I love layering. You know, I made the blotter, I made the tissue necessaire for the room. I flew over the little wicker waste basket because again, there's that kind of very sort of natural and high and low, and that's what I think is so divine. You know, the use of a little wicker basket under an 18th century chinoiserie desk. So, you know what's interesting to me is as you're talking, I'm just thinking, you know what? This wasn't really, knowing what 
how you approach this, this wasn't a, a, it wasn't a challenge for you at all. You actually got to do everything that you wanted to do because you knew what you wanted to do coming into this. Well, look, I think it was a little bit of a challenge because I didn't actually see the physical space in person and I didn't see the pieces of furniture in person. So that was a tiny bit of a challenge for me. I'm not so much of an online shopper, so I usually, I'm a very visual, hands-on person. So that was challenging for me to not see the pieces in person. But it happened to work out, you know, as I, as when I came here the first day and saw the room, the window, and I, I, the girl in my office, Lena, who arranged it for me, I right away texted her and said everything I wanted it to be, and I'm so happy with it. So it just worked out. I was very lucky. It's beautiful. Thank you. And I think I think luck had very little to do with it. I'm sorry. I think I think luck had very little to do with it. Well, I actually don't think that's. I think I have been very lucky my whole life. I think there are plenty of talented people who, you know, are in the wrong place at the wrong time. I think I've been very lucky because it seems that I've been in the right place a lot of times. So I really feel blessed and privileged for all my good fortune and thankful. Going around the room. Who did you specify? Okay, so Christopher Smith-Miller did the lamp. Uh, One Kings Lane gave me the shade. My upholster in New York made me the blotter out of Benison Fabrics and Venetian paper. The desk is um, is uh, John Nelson. The uh, chair is from Jonas, and they upholstered it for me. The curtains in the background were made by Jonas. And you'll see the stripe on the back of the chair is the border from the fabric that we cut out and used. Um, the, the Antonio Bellacasa has the beautiful little marble Roman seal of Caesar on the desk. Um, the bench and the bust, the desk, the camel, and the Roman bust are all from John Nelson. And the, uh, the stool is from La Maison Francaise. So- and I love the stool because the stool is in silk velvet Laminac Tiger, which is one of my staples that I put pretty much on every project that a client will accept. I either do a pillow or a stool. It's one of my signature things. Silk Velvet Laminac from Pierre Frey is just my little finishing touch to most living rooms. And it's beautiful. This window is beautifully done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun doing it, and I love the way it turned out, so I'm super happy. Thank you, Alex. This is Kevin Isbell. Uh, I'm Kevin Isbell from Kevin Isbell Interiors. And where are we today? We are in the fabulous Gracie uh, studio, which is a family-owned, hand-painted wallpaper company. And we are on? We are on Melrose. In the? La Cienega Design Quarter in Los Angeles. Let's put all that together. Okay. We're in the, we're at Gracie Studio, which is a family-owned wallpaper company in uh, the La Siena Design Design Quarter in Los Angeles. And we're we're here for Legends and LCDQ. I'm really excited to talk to you about this because you are, you are a designer relatively new to Los Angeles. That's correct. From New York. Correct. LCDQ is really special. Legends is really special. One of the things that I, it's, it's very cool because it brings people together. I'm curious, what does this kind of event mean for you as, as a designer? And what does it mean for the design community? Well, for me personally, it's an honor. I'm, I'm new to, to the, um, 
to the scene here. And to be here and to be welcomed and to be part of this is, um, it's a huge honor for me. And it's a big design event for California in general. And I think that it's a time for designers to come together. It's a time for, you know, to celebrate creativity or hopefully it's to celebrate creativity and maybe a little networking and, you know, all of that. But um, it's a good event, I think. And I'm excited. I'm very excited to be here and honored. So the theme this year is icons. Correct. Who is the icon you selected? I selected Albert Hadley, the famous Albert Hadley of Parrish Hadley. Um, for me, there is no other. Right? He is sort of the dean of good old-fashioned decorating, and um, he mixed high and low, and he liked modern art, but he would put it with Chippendale furniture, and he just had a fearless approach to design. So I chose him. And along with what you said, I'm curious, what do you think, with regard to the work itself, what do you feel was so special about the work? What made it iconic? He just had an innate sensibility and taste that um, I think resonated with a lot of people. Um, he comes from what I call the golden age of decoration, um, back when anyone with an Instagram account could call themselves a designer, right? So he is back in that sort of golden age. Um, and he had a great background in, in his education and his ability to hand draw. And um, for me, I just think he's one of the best. So I found two schools of thought in talking to designers about their windows here at LCDQ and Legends. One school of thought is, I'm going to design the window as I feel my icon would design it. The other school of thought is, I'm going to design my window as I want to design it and sort of pay homage to, to that designer. And then there's hybrids of, of, you know, between. I'm curious, which direction did you go? Oh, definitely the latter. Um, first of all, I have a five by eight window. There's no way I could recreate an Albert Hadley room in 40 square feet, right? So this to me is an homage to him. It is um, more editorial. It is, um, it's basically just, it's autobiographical. Everything in my window either relates back to me or back to him in some way, right? So I took his love of drawing, I still hand draw everything. Um, Gracie paper is all hand drawn. So this connection is the creativity and it is the process and the genesis of creation. So my window is sort of encapsulating that moment of creation, really. Not in the biblical sense, <laughs> right? Although it could be, right? Who knows what's going to happen in that window? Who knows? So was there anything else that you did to possibly channel him into, into the work? Well, there's lots of, if you know anything about Albert Hadley, you know. He famously quoted as saying, red is a neutral. So there's red, red strewn throughout. His drawings are on the wall. And I made, oh, I don't know, 650 or so copies of his drawings, which I then crumpled and put in the window. You know, when a venerable company like Gracie asks you to do your window, of course you just litter it, right? That's, that's the best answer to, you know, just fill it with garbage and see what, the, see what happens. 
Um, so I'm honoring him in a lot of ways. His bulletin board, which he's very famous for and has a, a book actually dedicated to his drawings and his bulletin boards. Um, I recreated that. That one's a little bit more autobiographical for me. Um, you know, and his books are there and magazines in which he's been published in are in the window and um, fabric houses that he loved and championed are in the window. So everything is looks random, but everything there has been thought out. And there is a uh, connection back to either him or me or both. Speaking of which, so it's really interesting for me. Um, when creatives like yourself are asked to do their creative work, in, in most cases, you're doing it for a family. It's a private residence. Mm. If you choose to get coverage, for that project. You or your PR rep, you send it out, you you right. you channel it, you specify it, you make you make the project, you frame it the way you want to frame it. So here, you don't get to do that. You have selected the, the work, you have put your work out there, and it, it's I, I love this because you you it's a stupid question, but you've got that sort of like, I'm gonna just punch this in the face. I'm not gonna give anyone, a, I'm gonna put it out there. This is who I am, this is my creative work. Yeah. Do you feel pressure because of that, because you're behind a window and people driving by, both designers, non-designers, in the trade, out of the trade, is there any pressure or do you just have that mentality where it's like, yeah, I'm just gonna punch it in the face and if people like it, they like it, and if they don't, they don't. Well, I'd like to say the latter, right, but of course, and my husband can attest to this, even like minutes up to, you know, walking in here, I'm still like, oh, is it okay? Do I need more crumpled paper? Is it like, you know, and I'm curating it down to, so I think that's a natural creative sort of insecurity that most people have. Um, I was very conscious that this needed to make a statement overall, right? There's a lemon yellow paper in the window for a reason, right? So that it catches your eye. It is something that you will see from the street and hopefully you'll stop. And then once you stop, you will see all of those details and all of the love and all of the thought that was really put into this, right? So it's a little bit of both, but I was definitely very conscious that it needed to make a statement, right? You got one second to make that first impression, and hopefully I did that. Yeah, and I think you did. Yeah, thank you. Um, who'd you specify? I specified mainly Gracie, <laughs> right? Um, help from Vandenacker, which is um, a, a showroom, and fabric houses such as Schumacher lent me rolls of fabric just to stick in the window. But for the most part, it's, it's Gracie, and it's me, and maybe Kinko's, <laughs> right? For 650 copies of, right? But for the most part, it's Gracie, me, and you know, some help from my supporters, right? Well. And stealing from my own studio. Fair enough. Right. Yeah, I think you crushed it. Thank you. I'd like to think so too. This is Gianetti Home. Brooke and Steve Gianetti from Gianetti Home. The location of the showroom where our window is, is Compass. So tell me something, LCDQ, for designers in general, and you in particular, what does an event like Legends mean? What does it do for your business? How do, how do you use the event? I think uh, there's several ways. Um, it's, a, it's a way to see what else is um, going on and uh, connect with the design community. Um, it's also uh, a way to um, 
kind of talk about what we're doing. And you know, w when you talk about uh, what what we do, um, it also helps you to become clearer um, about about um, our design intentions. And you just get to run into people along the sidewalk. That's what's really fun. You see people you've worked with over the years and kind of connect and go, wow, I should go back to that showroom. Or we were able to walk into Una Milan's showroom. And, you know, I'd seen it on Instagram. I'd, my people in the staff had been there, but I hadn't walked in and sat down in the new showroom. And it's incredible to be able to just see the stuff in person. It is. And it's one of those things, too. This is really special because it gets people out of their cars. Yes. It's truly unique in that regard. Like when getting out of your car is a, it, it's a, it's a, shouldn't be, but it's a it's big deal. It's actually like you're in a city. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a community. Yeah. You know, I don't know and, how many people you can't get a block down the street without somebody saying, hi, what's going on? And so it's a, very nice. In a day and age of, of Instagram, when we only seem to connect online, it's an actual one-on-one, eye-to-eye connection. We can like people in person. Yeah. <laughs> right. That is the greatest. <laughs> um, so the theme this year was, was icons. Who's the icon you selected and why? Uh, we selected Bunny Mellon. Um, who isn't, um, uh, she wasn't uh, trained as a designer, but we loved her outlook on life and how um, she believed that um, everything could be beautiful, ordinary everyday objects could be beautiful. She was also um, very passionate about gardens, um, as we are, and the connection of indoor and outdoor um, spaces. So the space we chose um, to be inspired, uh, that inspired our window was her own greenhouse, uh, which was um, a you know, kind of an iconic space, um, but also a, a space that connected that inside and outside. And to say that gardening was, uh, it, it fed your soul, um, it fed her soul, um, and it also uh, was like all those objects are beautiful, you know? Yeah, we, we tend to be, we tend to gravitate toward houses that were designed by people who live there. So the designer's house is always the best house they've ever done and because the, of the personal connection to it. And we are all about the kind of, uh, trying to maintain our client's personal connection to projects and to, to make the most out of that. And we thought she represented that idea of uh, someone just doing something amazing and personal. So what do you think it was about the work itself? Just the, I mean, she was iconic, right? But what, what about the work? What was it about the work that made it so special, that made the work iconic? There was a soul to it. You see a lot of gardens that don't really have tell a story, or you see rooms that don't really tell a story in a wonderful way. And her, her room, that, the space that we paid homage to, really told a story from the faux painting on the walls to the mixing of real equipment in the space. It wasn't just a shed, it was an idealized version of a garden shed you know, with old uh, things painted on the walls. And so we just love that the idea that you'll make something that's useful, but also something that's beautiful. And it's what we try to do in our work. And she surrounded herself um, with the things that she loved, all of her collections, and um, it was very eclectic, and it, it, it told her story, you know? And uh, I think those are the best rooms, the ones that tell the person's story who lived there. Side note, I don't have the benefit of talking to everybody, all the designers who I spoke with ahead of time about their windows. This is a special occasion, so I had the opportunity to see your presentation over at Mark Phillips. Um, 
And I thought it was really interesting because hearing you talk, I'm seeing what you're talking about because you were showing the the, the slides of the, the home, I believe it was in Palm Springs. Yeah, Palm Desert, yeah. Palm Desert, and I get it. The, mm -hmm. the indoor-outdoor, using the outdoor as a frame of reference and then making that part of the, the design itself, which was fantastic. Um, and I love that you do that. So it's it's fun for me to be able to put the, the two together and make that connection in, in real time, which is very cool. That's cool, yeah. what I mean, what it is is we have a, themes that we like, but they're typically kind of style agnostic. So it, the houses don't look the same because they, they're drawn from the people that we meet but the, the people's desire to connect to the garden and connect to indoors and outdoors is pretty much universal. So we can take those ideas and kind of filter it through any architectural or interior design language and try to make something beautiful that also um, you know, feels special to uh, the individual and that we're doing it for. So speaking of the window itself, who did you specify for the window? Um, the pieces that we use? Yeah. Uh, most of them uh, came from either Compass. You know, the, fu the fun part about Compass was uh, I think they share our uh, appreciation for just found objects. And so we got to shop in their, in their back area that has all these amazing uh, relics and architectural pieces. And so a lot of the pieces we brought in uh, from the back and just put them in the window. And Lee Stanton, um, also a, a dear friend of ours and an, uh, uh, an antiquarian who has such a fantastic eye you know um, when we were putting the window together we just walked you know a couple doors down and uh, I asked him if we could you know pick a couple of his you know beautiful objects and put them in the in the window and then we're fortunate enough to um, import our own um, Swedish antiques and collect our own pieces and so we brought a bunch of um, our kind of prized possessions and put them in the window as well. I love that story too. That you bring the antiques over and then uh, and you have them in your home and then you just keep moving them around and we do. Yeah, yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah, which is fun because it keeps. I I feel like our house is very dynamic because of that. Because it's never, you know, we come into we go to some clients' houses and we'll go uh, go visit. Uh, 10 years later and they haven't moved a thing and I I, um, I appreciate that it's it's quite an honor that they love it so much <laughs> but but there's also something that I like about our house being so ever-changing and dynamic um, it's it's really fun and people like to uh, often clients will come to the house and seeing a place in a house as opposed to in a showroom or a piece in a house as opposed to a showroom is just as it has a different connection to it so we, we try to do that because it, it gives us different ideas about what to do with them. We'll have pieces that are a bar one day and a bedside table the next and a, you know, the focal point of the living room and a headboard the, the next week. So it's, uh, you, you become your own laboratory. laboratory. Yes, your design laboratory. <laughs> we are definitely a lab. That's <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, sure, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate honored. it. Up next is Patrick Sutton. Patrick Sutton, Patrick Sutton Interiors. Where are we? We are in uh, Jamal's uh, showroom, which is a rug showroom on Los Angeles Boulevard. So what, is, what does LCDQ Legends mean to you, and, and what does it mean to the design community, do you think? Um, well, what it means to me is, is an op first of all, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, so it gives me an opportunity to come to the West Coast, which I think has an incredible um, design sensibility. So I'm, I'm, I personally like it because I'm able to immerse myself into this uh, into this culture, and I and I love it. The 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 actual event itself 
is an amalgam of people from all over the country. So it's a it's an opportunity to celebrate design, and I love it. So tell me, who's the icon you selected? This is Billy Baldwin, um, and Billy Baldwin is very special to me because he um, originally came, uh, was born and raised in Baltimore. So, and I think that's probably the only famous iconic designer from Baltimore, and that's obviously where I have my practice. Um, and I think what's what's great about Billy is that um, he sort of was the pioneer of design in the way we live now, which is he's the one that uh, took all the preciousness out of interior design um, and uh, sort of made a happy coexistence between things that are modern and things that are more comfortable. And to me, that's uh, that's what's so special about him. It's something that we do in our work all the time, so I like him for that reason. Uh, aside from the philosophy, mm. what about Baldwin's work do you think was so special? What made it iconic? Um, so he was um, someone that was pretty much against clutter in any possible way. Um, and the way that he was most exuberant in his work was through the richness of color. And you can see in this room, which is, you know, bathed in uh, blue patent leather. That's, that was the way I sort of chose to uh, address that aspect of his work. Well, it's funny because the next question was, and how did you channel Baldwin's work? And, and I think that that is it's so tastefully and remarkably done and, and so respectful of the, of the legacy what else did you what else did you use and how did you how did you put it together um uh painstakingly <laughs> um but you know i think that we looked for uh partnering with a couple of people obviously people from this community um but actually more interestingly we we partnered with billy baldwin studios which is still in existence and we had um they were very gracious they made this sofa for us and this slipper chair for us and this little uh cocktail table excuse me this uh end table next to me we worked with uh, designers that create some more modern pieces in the room. And then the um, accessories and art and things like that came from people on the street, which is amazing. So like, for, for example, House of Fine Arts gave us this incredible modern piece uh, by Grassi, the artist, the Italian artist Grassi, um, uh, right behind my so the sofa behind me, um, and so forth. Side note, I, I think it's really interesting. You work so hard to develop not necessarily a look or a style, but you work so hard as a creative to create your studio, to create the, the look that you want people to see. I'm wondering, is it is it fun for you to come and do a project like this where you're really paying homage to another designer? So it's not it's not so much about, you know, you don't have to I'm, I'm looking for the right word, but it's not about the criticism of of the design because it's not it's not necessarily your sense of style you're paying homage to another designer and trying to channel them into the work is that is that freeing or is there more is there more anxiety associated with that there's absolutely no anxiety and i'll tell you why there's so much crossover between his aesthetic and his approach and the way we work but if you think about the way most designers work it's not all our vision it's our clients vision so what we do is we take the things that are important to them use our skills to interpret what's important to them and deliver and that's exactly what we did here how was it working <clears throat> excuse me knowing that you know this is what you were doing to go back to the studio to billy baldwin to his studio I imagine that was pretty special. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. Um, um, Susan, who 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 runs that studio, uh, reached out to me on Instagram, um, and 
and uh, we sort of made a, a connection that way. And um, when I decided to do Billy Baldwin as as our as, as the icon we wanted to follow, I reached out to her, and she was so enthusiastic. So it was it was a lot of fun, and actually I learned a lot about Billy I didn't know from her, which was great. Was there anything that you did in this room that you could see doing again in a project? I'm not sure I'm going to do blue patent leather walls in a project again. Um, and one of the things that's fun about doing a window is that you can sort of take off the limitations and, and be a little bit more creative than maybe you, or exuberant as you, than you might normally uh, be. Um, but I, I liked um, the mix of color in here. And I, I think I'm, I, it, I, it was kind sort of liberating. Uh, a lot of the work we do is, is, is a little bit more studied than this. Um, so yeah, I can see, I can see, channeling this a little further in the future projects. I think that's so great. So we talked about this a little already, but um, walk me through, and who did you who did you specify? So, sure. So, uh, clearly, this long-haired sheepskin rug that we're standing on came from Jamal's rugs, whose showroom we're in. I think that would have been a little bit rude not to. Uh, and he was terrific. Um, uh, we worked with, um, obviously, Billy Baldwin Studios. Um, we worked with... Um, uh, local, as I mentioned earlier, we worked with some of the local purveyors for some of these accessories. Uh, Lauren Wang from New York uh, is on some of the fabrics uh, on the slipper chair, for example, and on some of the pillows. Uh, she couldn't she couldn't wait to help us, which was which was lovely. Um, and then Dragonette lent, lent us uh, a, a couple of uh, great pieces, some great art pieces. House of Fine Arts, as I mentioned earlier, gave us this incredible grassy painting. Um, and uh, Harbinger, who happens to be a dear friend of mine, the owner of Harbinger happens to be a good friend of mine. He helped us in every possible way he could. Um, and the blue, blue patent leather walls came from Philip Jeffries, um, who literally jumped through hoops to get us, you know, have 30 yards of that um, of that product in, basically overnight. So those, I think, were the, the key, the key uh, uh, providers for the space. And I got to tell you. The the blue patent leather walls, it's just sick and luxurious and just so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, like, one of the things that's interesting is that I've gone down a lot of the windows here, and they're very studied and very calm, and they're very earthy. Uh, and then we sort of jump out like someone just took a shot of espresso. Um, so that's kind of fun. It's fun to be a little bit different. And it's great, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. This is Brooke Wagner. I'm Brooke Wagner of Brooke Wagner Design. So, um, where are we today? We're at Serena and Lily in West Hollywood getting ready for LCDQ. We are getting ready for LCDQ. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. Um, Legends this year, the, the theme is icons. Mm -hmm. So, who's the icon you selected? We selected Dorothy Draper. Um, we decided to kind of go with this throwback old Hollywood feel um, as Serena and Lily just recently launched their hospitality collection. So we kind of did this whole like Beverly Hills hotel era of the like 30s to the 50s. So Dorothy was amazing and kind of revolutionary in that style and um, really kind of paved the way for these bold patterns and lots of use of color. So we're honoring her today. What do you think it was or is about her work, um, the style? What made it so special? What, made it, what makes it so iconic? 
She was one of the first ones to really incorporate, well, I guess even farther back, she, she really is one of like the first interior designers of our country. And she kind of paved the way of using these like over the top um, patterns and color that people weren't really doing before. She was kind of like the anti-minimalist. So it works perfectly with that kind of old school Hollywood feel where it's like abundance of color and graphic patterns and design and, you know, bungalow stripes, all of that. So knowing that, how did you, how did you choose to channel her into your window? We kind of, I guess, maybe had the cart before the horse. We had kind of the design um, directive um, based on the furniture that Serena and Lily has just launched and kind of including the like BWD um, look. And then knowing that we were kind of going in this um, old school Hollywood um, hospitality vibe, then I, I started being inspired. I, you know, knew we needed need the legend and um, started looking at Dorothy's designs and it really like fits the bill perfectly. So are there any, I've, 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 this is a new question, but I've, I found it really interesting. Some designers have chosen to design their window as the icon would have designed the space. Mm -hmm. Others have chosen to design the window as they want to do it, paying homage to the, to the icon. Mm -hmm. And then there's a kind of a hybrid, like maybe I'll add a little here, a little touch there. Right. Which, which, did you, which direction did you go? I think we're kind of the hybrid. <laughs> so we we found out that Gray Mallon was interested in kind of collaborating in this whole window display. And he has a new series of photography where he actually went to the Beverly Hills um, Hotel and did a whole poolside scene. And so we found this image that I fell in love with. And knowing that we had this Serena and Lily hospitality collection that we also love and wanted to feature, we kind of took the two together. Um, it honors, it's, it's, drape, it's Dorothy's era, and it's like just her total design um, kind of vibe with the bright colors and the huge patterns and even the this new wallpaper line that Serena and Lily came out with that we're, we're featuring as well as kind of the backdrop to the photography. It, it kind of all kind of went hand in hand and um, came full circle, I guess. That is so cool. Um, who did you specify for the window? Dorothy Draper. No, who oh. did you specify? What products did you use? And um, so if, you, if you're going or if you're looking through the room, what, what products um, did you use? Where'd you get them from? Who'd okay, you use? so we're at Serena and Lily. Uh, therefore, most of the products are Serena and Lily um, products that are from their new launch, the hosp their hospitality line. And then we have um, my neighbors down in CDM came up, which are amazing um, garden studio, and they're doing the um, potted plants. We kind of took the old... Um, you know, Beverly Hills Hotel, like, you know, old school topiary vibe, and are kind of doing a, a riff on that. So do, they're doing that for us. But for the most part, it's Serena and Lily product. That's great. Was it? Was and Gray Mallon, sorry. <laughs> Say that one more time. And, and Gray Mallon. Was this, was this fun for you? It's been so much fun. Yeah, it's something that I, I committed to months ago and thought like, oh, that sounds fun, but it sounded like a million miles away. And now that it's here, I'm like so excited about it. I'm really excited. There's a big party on Wednesday night and I've actually never been a part um, and come up for LCDQ before. So I'm really excited to be involved. 
As a designer, what, what does an event like LCDQ mean for you as an individual designer and for the design community? You know, I think uh, at least I get so busy with my day-to-day, -day, you know, clients and design work, and I and I get kind of stuck in my regular meetings and my regular um, showrooms that are near me in in Newport. Um, that it's great to have an excuse to come up to LA, find some new vendors, like walk walk the streets, and and be exposed to all of the you know products that we might not normally see. That's great. I can't wait to see it. Me too. <laughs> Thank you, Brooke. And wrapping it all up is Bridget Coulter. Bridget Coulter, Bridget Coulter Design. And where are we today? Uh, today we are in the gorgeous Una Milan showroom and uh, we're at Legends 2019. Exactly. So as a designer in particular, mm -hmm. design community in Los Angeles. What, is, what does an event like Legends mean to you? What does it mean to the community? I think one of the great things about Legends and Los Angeles Design Quarter is that we get to come together and you know, not just have wine, which is the most fun part of it, but we get to see each other's work, each other's imagination, and co collect, you know, collect and talk and mingle and just like talk about what we're doing because we're all working individually in our in our little cubbies and now we come out and we see each other and kind of shine so that's that's kind of what it means it's fun right it's fun yeah it's a celebration and the idea to take windows and just do some sort of creative thing is brilliant and that they've been doing this over 10 years now isn't this 11th year something like yeah, that yeah yeah so i think that's makes it really fun and it's something that you can do events around and then everyone can go late at night and see them and pass by and go, oh, what were they thinking? Oh, that's interesting. So, Interesting that you say that, because I was going to ask you that I'm actually jumping one up. What is your feeling about that? When you design a residence, yeah. you're designing for a family. It's in a box. Lock the front door. Nobody's walking in. Nobody's just walking by to see the work that you've done. And here, it's in a storefront. It's in a window. <laughs> Do you, do you, is your approach just, you know what, I'm just going to punch it in the face. This is what I love to do and I'm doing it and I don't really care what anyone else thinks. Or do you design for, for, for people to look at and go, hmm, what are, you, what are you thinking? What's your approach with regard to that and the public nature of designing in a window? Well, for me, I like to start every project with a concept, with this just unifying idea that everything will come from. So the process for a residential space that only the family's gonna enjoy or a space that everyone's gonna walk by is the same. I wanna say, I wanna tell an authentic story. I want to have it be visually impactful. And whether the four people are seeing it, one person is seeing it, 12 people are seeing it, or a thousand people are seeing it, for me, if I'm truly expressing something creative, then I'm happy and I'm, and we're just playing. And that's one of the fun things about design, designing a window is you do, you're aware that it's gonna be viewed in a bigger space um, or a bigger platform. But as long as it's true and you're expressing it and you go for it, like don't hold back, then I feel like we've accomplished it. Who's the icon that you selected? So it's multifaceted. <laughs> I made it complicated. Um, I am, my goal was to do, was to really honor women of color in the decorative arts and the icons in the shadows. So I did research and you really don't pinpoint a single 
woman of color in interior design that's been recorded and talked about her work, but we were doing the work. And so I found that intriguing. But then there's Zaha Hadid, the grand dame, who is a woman of color, who, you know, who we lost recently, sadly. Um, but her work is exquisite. And she does interiors and architecture. And I really wanted to explore, like, what is it between even the most indigenous culture all the way to her work? How do they relate? And so mine is sort of a conversation between the two. And I'm doing a primal, um, elemental interpretation and it's inspired by Zaha Hadid did these um, Brit Awards in 2016 that are s exquisite and they are sculptural and they're all about uh, tribal feminine grouping and support. So mine is sort of that, which doesn't look at all Zaha Hadid, but it's absolutely inspired by her work and the depth of her work. Interesting. And, and <laughs> No, it's fascinating. And you're a little ahead of me because I was going to ask you, how did you how did you channel her in your work and and because I there, there's two schools of thought that I've that I've heard and then some space in between one is some designers want to want to look at their icon mm -hmm. and they want to design as their icon would have designed it mm. then there's the others who look at it and say I want to design it the way I want to design it but I want to pay homage to my the icon and designer I want to just you will see them in the work that I do most people, I think, have found this sort of happy hybrid yeah. in between. But it's really interesting with yours because, so basically you took an idea, you took a concept as the icon, and you, you reconceptualized it, you reformatted it, and now you're putting a presentation together that's completely unique to it. Right. That's fascinating. That was the goal, yeah. Where, where, was, the, where was the biggest challenge? Was the, was the challenge in ideating it from the beginning or executing it knowing that your footprint is just so small and how do you impact a big message in a small footprint? One of the challenges for me is I respect the work of Zaha Hadid so much and I couldn't replicate what she does in a 10 by 10 space, but I wanted to really be true to the essence of what her work did and, and think about the history of it and the background and what informed her. So my space is kind of reflecting what informed her, how I would interpret that, how I've seen her work around the world and am always inspired and awed by everything she did, and how would I express that? So it is probably a little bit of a bridge, but it's not a replica, it's not, I took the organic form the shapes and the curves. And then one of the challenges was like, I wanted to put a Zaha Hadid, one of her consoles in there and, you know. Hold that for sure. one second. Hold on. Getting a little loud. <laughs> yeah. um, will you do me a favor? Sure. Will you start again with the con with the con uh, console? Cause I don't want to miss that. Okay, sure. Okay, go ahead. You can just, oh, and you can. Walking. Hi, well, do you want to go by? Uh, she's up here. You need Una? Oh, that's good. I can see everything. Oh, do you want to walk and see them? No, 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 okay. Right yeah, it'll okay. be fully open yeah, 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 next week. Yes, thank you. Okay, so okay, will you just do me a favor? Cold, cold into sure. the console. Um, one of the challenges, of the challenge part of the console? Yes. Okay, yeah. So one of the initial things I wanted to do was put this elaborate, modern, sleek Zaha Hadid console and put these tribal elements around it and play with the, play with the, di the difference between the two and kind of contrast them. And you can't get one. <laughs> so there's the physical, you know, not getting one. And then there's also how much space we have. So we're limited. It's challenging to go, I want to totally honor this person and take this piece and do that. Or maybe we articulate it in a different method. Um, so I sort of had to really 
refined the design. I did a lot of sketches for this window, <laughs> um, which is so funny. But it's like the more you sketch, the more you get a sense of what it is. And it started to tell me the story of what it wanted to be. And I let it channel. Let's just channel and let's let it happen and let it be what it is. And we had even challenges like our space changed <laughs> for various reasons. And it's like, okay, so this wide space I had is now this space. Deal with it. That's just, okay, universe is telling me, let's go. So we just, and it made it better. It made it better. So all of the challenges got me to refine it. And still the feeling is in there, but it's not art, just straight up imagery, you know? Isn't that how the universe works? Yeah. I believe it. I'm telling you. It's, it's yeah. so true. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a little off topic sure. here for a minute, but I'm really interested. Um, Women of color, design, mm -hmm. credit, right. career. Um, it's you have so many different elements there, right? So w women in women in particular, and actually women of color in particular, women in general. Yeah. Um, how do you? How does one? Right. How does one affect change when it comes to that? Because you're yeah. you're in the biz. Some people view it as I'm in the business, I'm making it, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna lead by example. I'm gonna lead lead as a representative leader. Others will say, you know what? I'm I'm going to I'm going to force the issue. I'm going to press through. There's no right right answer. Yeah. There's no wrong answer. There there's right and wrong execution, right? Yeah. How yeah. do you, how do you what's your? Because clearly it means something it to does. you. So so how do you approach that? Uh, for me, women of color and design women of color working in architecture. Now, just to sideline a little bit, women of culture, uh, of color in architecture, black women in architecture, Latina, all kind, are, have do have some sort of recognition. There's the first and they, you know, that sort of, but design, as you know, as a career, is sometimes not respected in the same way. So there's, first of all, just the career of a designer. So we're already at a like, well, what, what do you do? You just put pretty things. No, <laughs> we don't just put pretty things. <laughs> um, but so then you add the challenge of a career. I honestly went in maybe to Pollyanna, but I just went in like, I'm going to do excellent work and I'm going to um, filter it through my design sensibilities, articulate the human being that I'm working with and try to tell the best, you know, present the best story, the best design. I think design is a story. You're telling a story of the person. And I try to just do excellent work. And I didn't think that being of color would limit me. I just never saw it as a limit. And I felt like I just met the most open people. And I just have done work for all kinds of people. Some of the challenges of recognition is, you know, I'm a worker bee. I work in a little office. I work a lot of hours. And a lot of it is project management. And I have a small team. And they're amazing. and. You know, you don't necessarily get the recognition, but I'm not in it for the recognition. I do. You want people to say, understand what your work is and see. But you know, if that doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But as I started to do this piece, I really thought about how important it is to be an example. So I'm just trying to walk in my truth, do the best work I can, and and put it out there for people to see. And I've also joined different groups. There's a group called uh, Black Artists and Design Guild that I'm a member of, which is just shows you the incredible work happening around the country, around the world, that when we find each other and we start to network and really make sure that we're promoted equally and that we all join, because diversity isn't just like, oh, it's all this people or all that, it's all of us together. And uni unity is what we need in the country right now, and I'm about that. So I am tell it through a focus of what I know. I understand being a woman of color, I understand being a black woman, 
and there may be challenges to that, but I also think there's amazing opportunities. So I take it all as, you know, just stepping forward and seeing what happens. I have so much more to talk to you about, but we're gonna have to save that <laughs> yes, for another yeah, yeah. time. No, no. um, who did you specify? Um, oh, my artisans. Yep. So I got these tribal mirrors. I'm tribal mirrors. Sorry, my. Um, I used artisans from around the country. My mirrors are from Marcel, Jean Marcel, and he takes all of this waste from Katrina and builds and uses old doors and he puts all the pieces together and paints them and creates this piece. So we have these mirrors from him that tell a story. So I loved that. Um, Malene B, who's a ceramicist. Um, I have Galia Lynn, whose sculptures are amazing. Her sculptures are called uh, Vessels of Divinity. So I was like, what? And she happened to have them, and you know, because people are memoing their things. Uh, Jean de Marie, we have um, their tables from Pave and Fishman Wiseman uh, chandelier. We have Galia Lynn. Did I say Galia Lynn? Yes, I did. Okay, so then we have uh, Delia Hauser, who's uh, an amazing visual artist who did all of these outdoor. Um, plants in textiles and beads that are exquisite. Um, we have an Una Milan chandelier, a pendant. Uh, we have a pendant from Una Milan and am I getting all my pieces? I think that's all the pieces. Oh, and then I have some like accessories from BCD and then Sila African Imports, a few pieces we'll sprinkle in. That's my, that's my window. <laughs> that's awesome. And I cannot wait to see it. Thank you. This has been great. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Bridget. That is a wrap on this episode of Combo by Design featuring the amazing creatives who decorated and designed the windows of the La Cienega Design Quarter in 2019. I hope hearing from these creators brings you a little joy, and I look forward to Legends of La Cienega returning in 2021. Thank you, LCDQ, for having me. Thank you, Walker Zanger, for your continued support. And thank you for listening to the show, downloading each episode, and engaging through the socials. Make sure you never miss an episode of the podcast. Ask Siri to help you. Say, hey, Siri, play Convo by Design podcast. Okay. Convo by Design podcast now playing. And she will. So fun. Love doing that. That never gets old. It really doesn't. Thanks for listening. And until next week, keep creating. Keep creating.